Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Suspense. Starting tonight, it's the Riley and Kimmy Show. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. And welcome to this episode number 935. It is a Tuesday. Right next to me is... Kimmy! I got one name! Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. And the person who's the hero of this story is right next to me. It is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Well, it's gl- I'm glad to have you here. Um, we had some people reach out to us uh, messaging you about your favorite TV show from episode 934 where we talked about it. Yeah, it's funny how that happened. Somebody reached out to me, too, with a special picture. Of your favorite character. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yes, if you want to find out what Kimmy's favorite character is from television, check out episode 934, available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Yes, you were quite happy to get that picture, weren't you? Oh, somebody was so sweet to send that. (laughs) It did make me smile. Now, somebody did ask me. They said, you know, I have a beat-up Mego figure of that character. Does Kimmy want the beat-up Mego figure? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to reveal what the the character is. you got to check out 934. And you know what I said? I said, if you want to part with it, possibly. And then they're like, well, I don't know if I want to get rid of it. I'm like, well, if you do, I'll take it. Because mm-hmm. I, I collect Mego figures. Mm-hmm. Not that character. <laughs> Matter of fact, I have nothing of that TV series, and I don't even have a lunchbox of that series. But this person's like, yeah, well, you, maybe I will give it to her. I don't know. Mm. So, so you might you might have an action figure coming your way. Mm. You could set that on your desk. No. Make it a conversation piece, Kimmy. A, <laughs> a thought starter. Tell people that is your favorite TV show of all time. And to find out what that favorite TV show of Kimmy's is. It really isn't. You can find out on our website at RileyAndKimmy.com. It is a Tuesday, one day away from something big, nerd-wise, that happens across the country on Wednesdays. And what is that? New Comic Book Day. That's right. Brand new Comic Book Day. You know, product, things like comic books, graphic novels, trade paperbacks, statues, action figures, and oh, apparel and things like that are appearing at comic book stores on Wednesday. The brand new stuff. We have a list of what's brand new. It's coming out to comic book stores right on our website. You can find that at the Nerd News section. Just click Nerd News section, and you'll see the brand new comic book stuff. It's available right on RileyandKimmy.com. Now, Kimmy, we have on our list, on our website, actually that Nerd News section, nine, nine TV shows that were so bad that they flopped pretty quick despite having TV legends part of them. Now, to give you an idea, Jackie Gleason had one that flopped. 
I mean, it it went like down in a, a week or well, a couple of weeks. It, matter of fact, it debuted its first debut like I think it was a Thursday night. He changed it by the following week. The whole show. Mm. He retooled it. Only he had that kind of power and clout at that time in television where he was able to do that. And it still tanked. Kellogg's was a sponsor, and they said this just is not flying. They they pulled the plug. Another Carol Burnett tried to relaunch her show. You remember her variety show of the 70s? She tried to relaunch it twice in the 90s, 1990 and 1991. One time it lasted just a few weeks, and the next time it lasted like one episode. Okay. And then we have other examples. Even Raymond Burr, he's one of those two. He played a a Charles Foster Kane, like Citizen Kane character in one, but he solved crime. Hmm. Oh, that 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 was a winner, right? <laughs> that was that was in the 1970s, right after Ironside. That didn't work. And then there's this treasure. I'm kind of curious if you ever saw. Did you ever see the TV show called Dusty's Trail? No. Let's follow the path of Dusty's Trail. Oh, Dusty's Trail. Dusty's Trail. A stage and a wagon are heading west. Part of a wagon train lost from the rest. Dusty's the reason for their plight. Thanks to Dusty, nothing's right. Only the wagon master's hand keeps them rolling to the promised land. All oh, the going gets mighty rough, but they don't seem to mind. It's California, eh? That's the place they must find. Deserts and rocks are in their way, but they won't stop, come what may. Mountains and hills that they must scale, but they know they'll make it cause they just can't fail on Dusty's Trail. That, that is a real TV show, Kimmy, from 1973. You, you never saw it. No. Now, does it sound familiar to something prior? Not country, not western. Does it sound like maybe a hit TV show from the 1960s? Mm. It doesn't feel Gilligan Island to you a little bit? Um, yeah. Well, it should. Yeah. Bob Denver is the star of this really? of this, uh, of this TV series. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, after Gilligan's Island, creator Sherwood Schwartz hit the jackpot with what TV show? What was his big hit right after Gilligan's Island? The Brady Bunch. That's correct. Well, The Brady Bunch was big. But by the time it uh, came to an end, he decided to go go <laughs> go pitch something else to the networks. They said, "Okay, we'll give it a shot." But that third time was not a charm for him. He he attempted to recreate Gilligan's Island in a Wild West setting. I have no idea why, because it's kind of amazing he actually did this because the westerns were fading. I mean, they they had really faded by this time period. There was still some in movies, but most of the TV shows were gone or going away example Gunsmoke still on the air but would soon go away and bonanza was coming right close to it winding down at this time period if it had not already i can't remember if it was 73 74 range when it went away well he decided to do the western you know gilligan's island and the result was dusty's trail which stars bob denver as the bumbling lead alongside forrest tucker from f troop and the show tanked after just one season but what they did, they took four episodes, put them together to make a movie. They actually released a movie in 1976 called The Wackiest 
Wagon Trail. It was actually called the Wackiest Wagon Trail in the West. Now, I'm kind of surprised that that was made because the person who directed it was a guy by the name of Jack Arnold, who is no stranger to anybody who loves science fiction. His most notable films, you know these, Kimmy. It Came from Outer Space in 1953, Creature from the Black Lagoon in 54, Tarantula from 55, The Incredible Shrinking Man from 57, and he did this thing, too. Hmm. So it's kind of kind of surprising that he did that. Now, here is an idea of just how close to Gilligan's Island this thing is. The skipper, Alan Hale in Gilligan's Island, is now the wagon master, Forrest Tucker. <laughs> Gilligan is now Dusty, both played by Bob Denver. Mr. and Mrs. Howell are now Mr. and Mrs. Brookhaven. Really? The, the professor is now Andy. Ginger Grant is now Lulu. And Marianne Summers is now Betsy. Wow. And there are some other elements. The Gilligan's Island shipwreck followed what was meant to be a three-hour tour to now be replaced with the wagon being lost in the wilderness after getting separated from a wagon train. And then headhunters are now replaced with Native American Indians. Mm. So he didn't... Yeah, you know, it wasn't much wow. there. Why didn't Why didn't that fail? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Now I have seen that played, not originally. I don't. I I don't even remember it ever even repeats of anything. But I have seen one of the like Me TV antenna TV. Somebody ran this thing. Oh I, yeah. In the last couple of years. Oh wow. Just for like a weekend. Uh huh. And I was shocked. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, whoa. Had you ever seen it when it was first on? No, no, never never saw that thing at all. So that's really bad TV. Some some really bad TV. Now we have the entire list of those that that stunk, even though they had big stars in them. Those failed attempts to either resurrect a career or to you know have a new TV series. We have that right on our website in the nerd news section at RileyandKimmy.com. Now let's talk about something that is not a failure TV wise. Something is coming. Something hungry for blood. What is it? Well, is is missing. I don't know where he is. 99 out of 100 times, kid goes missing. The kid is with a parent or a relative. What about the other time? What? You said 99 out of 100. What about the other time? The one. The one. What if this whole time I've been looking for Will? I've been chasing after something else. Stranger Things. That is uh, quite hot. A lot of our friends talking about it. We have on our website at uh, the Nerd News section, Why Stranger Things is the perfect antidote to nostalgic reboots. We have an entire list of reasons, one of them being references to Steven Spielberg's E.T., The Extraterrestrial, and another, a nod to Stephen King. Matter of fact, Stephen King himself, just the other day, went to Twitter about it. And he said the following, quote, Watching Stranger Things is looking, watching Steve King's greatest hits. I mean, that in a good way. Hmm. Unquote. That's that's King's own words. Uh, as King himself points out, there are countless nods to the biggest players in his back catalog, starting from the font used in the credit sequences, that's to it, that is compared to, with the discovery of something deeply sinister lurking beneath the visible in their quiet, boring town via Stand By Me. And there's other references, too, to Stephen King there. Stranger Things, we also have the Stranger Things final 
if you want some spoilers, available right on our website at RileyandGibby.com in the Nerd News section, where there's discussion with the creators talking about the cliffhangers, death, and season number two. That does have some spoilers. Beware of that one. Mm. We have that right there. But the reasons why this is a really good nostalgic trip, it doesn't have any spoilers. Okay. So we have two things available about Stranger Things right on our website, Nerd News section at RileyandKimmy.com. Kimmy, uh, I'm going to try to give this thing another shot. I I don't know if I was maybe up for too many days when I tried to watch it last time. Okay. Although I will be a nitpicker here. There are, I think it's confused in what time period it's set in, meaning 1980s or 1970s. Which is it? There's there's some continuity or not con- There's some prop problems and things like that that are in there. And you can't dial 911. Oh yeah, yeah. And a rotary phone in the 1980s, if it's 1980s, or is it the 1970s? Which is it? 70s or 80s? Hmm. I mean, yes, some people still had rotary phones, yeah. but they weren't that common in the 80s. The mm, 80s. Early 80s. Not that common. Yeah. No, not that common. Trust me. They, 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 they were there, but they weren't that common. Okay. And you wouldn't be dialing 911 on it. I remember in 1981... Um, we still had rotary phones in the house. You still had rotary phones in 81. Yes. And you tried to win prizes on that rotary phone with the local radio station. My dad brought out a push-button phone. Oh, he had one of those. So I could use it special um, that night to well, win, to, um, win the uh, tickets. Well, where I grew up until I was a teenager the place i grew up in was the last place in the continental united states that had an operator actually dial your number for you and it still had party lines Mm. i mean it was like i was and i even at that time period thought i was living in a you know like ancient days because nobody had that kind of phone so it was like i'd see these old tv shows i'm like yeah that's kind of phone system we have here and i had i had a color number like red five seven wow that was that was the number. It was way out in the country, and you had to pick up your phone, and basically just like Andy Taylor does, the sheriff, where he calls Sarah, I had to have the operator make a phone call. Oh. Oh, it was fun, and especially when you were on the road, when I would go with a relative traveling across the country in summers and stuff, calling home was real fun because mm. you didn't have a phone number. You'd, you'd give the town, you'd say what town it is, and you'd say, I need you to call the operator in this city because I need to make a collect call, and oh, you know, example, and the number, and they go, well, "What's the number?" And you go, "Red five seven. <laughs> They're like, "Red five seven. It's like you have to call the operator in that city. So, did you take a school bus or a wormhole to get home? <laughs> it was something very close to that. Okay. Actually, my bus, because I live so far out in the middle of nowhere, uh, my bus ride was over an hour to to home. Fun. Oh, it was. Had to go down dirt roads and, and gravel roads and stuff like that. Even did I go into a wormhole? Thanks, Gibby. Anyhow, Stranger Things, we have that available right on our website. More information about it at RileyandKimmy.com. And hopefully we'll make it through uh, more than the half of the first episode, which I attempted to watch. It wasn't me that actually walked away from it, I don't think. I think it was mutual. I think we were just tired. Yeah, that's what I think. So we're going to give it one more try here. You know, okay. sometime by the by the end of the week. We didn't even get to see the creepy girl. Creepy girl. 
Yep, in the first the first episode, we didn't even get to where the creepy girl was. So. There's, a, there's a creepy girl? Mm-hmm. Really? You mean... Her like, name's like 11 or... Oh, I know what you see. I, I've or, read the spoiler, so I know who that is. I know what that is. Okay. So I know what creepy girl... I know what you're referring to. I know what creepy girl is all about. I will not spoil this for you. Okay. Even though I know what the spoiler is. Because, see, I read it not knowing we'd go back to watching it. But mm. I, I'm... I'm really interested because I'm a big fan of Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Do you have a problem with them doing these shows like this that they claim are tributes in ways? Is it a, or is it laziness? Are they just regurgitating, recycling things that have already been successful? No, it's okay. You have no if problem. It's good. Okay, you have no problem with that. Mm-mm. All right, Kimmy, let's move over to something that hopefully you have no problem with. Let's move over to nerd and geek pop culture trivia if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. You do? Absolutely. It's time for Nerd and Pop Culture Geek Trivia on this July 19th. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions. And if she gets some of them, or actually more of them right than wrong, she will be winning herself some pocket lint and, and building a creature, some kind of pocket lint creature she's going to construct, and it'll make its debut at some upcoming pop culture convention or uh, you know, event that we will be at, and you can find those, by the way, on our event page on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Here we go, Kimmy. I promise not to ask any mathematics and very limited history for you on this on this nerd pop culture trivia edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. All right? Mm-hmm. It was on this date in history, 1946, Marilyn Monroe acted in her first screen test. That's 1946, and shortly after that time period, she actually makes an appearance on the golden age of radio. So on this date, 1954, that Elvis records, or actually his first single, is released by Sun Records. Well, that's all right, mama. That's all right to you. That's all right, mama. Just any way you do it, that's all right. That's all right. That's, all right. That's the name of it. That's all right. And on the backside, because I used to do that, you know, on the backsides of uh, records, 45s, it was Blue Moon of Kentucky. On this date, 1963, taking a look at some science, actually yeah, science fiction in a way, science that was yeah, influencing science fiction or science fiction that influenced science. And this happened. 63, to give you an idea just how far we were advanced, and you might say what happened, 1963, Joe Walker flies a North American X-15 to a record altitude of 347,800 feet. Figure that out, Kimmy. That's that's real high. Mm -hmm. That's way up there. To give you an idea just how far he flew this craft, which, by the way, this craft could land on its own. This is Mm -hmm. not like the space shuttle, which, you know, couldn't take off and, and land powered. This thing could land powered. It had power. The space shuttle would land gliding coming in. This thing could at its own power, and it, it was moving quite fast. To give you an idea just how high he flew, that flight qualified as a human space flight. That's mm. how high he was up there. That's 1963. It's 1966. Frank Sinatra, at the age of 50, marries 20-year-old actress Mia Farrow. Mm. That was in 1966. Now, Kimmy, let's put your music hat on. We have some rewind here for you. Rewind time, okay? Uh-oh. It was on this date in history that I'll give you the artist. I'll give you that much. 
It was on this, what I want from you is the year, but also the song title. It was on this date that Billy Joel earned his first gold record with this song. See if you can identify it. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like an alien language as we go back in time a little bit, a little rewind as we rewind that song. Can you tell me what that song is? Um, it's his first gold record. Still rock and roll to me. Yes, Kimmy is right. That was the part we did rewind right there. Kimmy was able to, to identify that. That was the first gold record for Billy Joel. Now, Kimmy, give me the year that that happened. Um, 1980. You got it. You cool. did it doubles right there congratulations see you're really good you're you're a great audiophile i mean you're able to uh, identify that backward stuff quite well congratulations there so on this date in 1985 that george bell won first place in something some i mean you you could you can't give him a run from the money although you you are well you'll understand here george bell won first place in the biggest feat contest Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Kimmy. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. In the biggest feet contest, Kimmy, his shoe size, you want to take a guess what his shoe size was? 16. His shoe size for the biggest feet contest is 28 and a half. Oh, my gosh. 28 and a half at the age. So does he just go by those big clown feet? <laughs> I don't know. At the age of 26, he stood 7 feet 10 inches tall with 28 oh. and a half feet. Wow. Moving over to celebrity birthdays, Brian May is having a birthday. He's a member of Queen. Can you tell me how old Brian May is today? Um, 69. Exactly right. Wow. And he's done a lot of movie scores, too, and TV themes as well. That's one of the things he's done. This individual's having a birthday today, Kimmy. This should be quite easy for you. Tell me who it is and how old they are today. Here's your audio clue. Captain, you're going to punch me again over and over till your arm weakens. Clearly you want to, so tell me, why did you allow me to live? I surrendered to you because, despite your attempt to convince me otherwise, you seem to have a conscience, Mr. Kirk. If you did not, then it would be impossible for me to convince you of the truth. Two, three, one, seven, four, six, one, one. Coordinates not far from Earth. So easy, Kimmy. Tell me who that is. Mr. Cumberbatch. That's correct. How old is Benedict Cumberbatch today? 52. He is 40 years old today. Whoa. Yes, he is 40, and he's also the new Dr. Stephen Strange. I'm kind of curious if he's going to use his accent or if he's going to use an American accent. Sound. I didn't. You know, is he bi-dialectal? That'll be the question. Mm. I, I, I have no problem if he uses his true speech. Mm-hmm. I, I know some people go, he can't do that, but actually, I have no, no issues if he does that at all. Okay. Somebody having a birthday today. I will not ask you a single thing about them. You will not know the name. You know the actor. 
fantastic. So many things he did over the course of time. He 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 did a Twilight Zone, two Twilight Zone episodes. One in particular really stands out, where he played a toy maker who lives in a world of fantasy and also goes back in time to his childhood. And he also played in Gunsmoke, took over for Doc Adams when the actor Milburn Stone had health issues. And he's appeared in so many things, good, bad, silly, sinister. And he's also played a hero in ways he played in Batman. This is Commissioner Gordon. I want him taken alive. I repeat, any man who opens fire on Jack Napier will answer to me. Not for the ninth time, there is no bat. If there were, we would find him. We would arrest him. Yes, that is Pat Hingle. Birthday today. Unfortunately, passed away in 2009 at the age of 84. I think he's one of the most underrated actors of all time. You, you just need to check out some of his rich, rich work. Fantastic. And uh, very good friends, by the way, with Clint Eastwood. He was like best buddies with him hmm. and did work with him over the course of time. Another person having a birthday today, Kimmy. Let's see if you can identify this notable. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Here is your audio clue. It's because we have no other choice. If there's a key, then there has to be a lock. And when we find the lock, we can get the weapons. And then we can have the weapons. And the lock will so we'll have the lock, I imagine, because we open it and, of course, the initial key. What? Who wrote this? Nobody says penultimate. All right, Kimmy, can you identify who that is? Um, you have met this person. Is that... um? His nickname um, is Moose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jared Padalecki. That's correct. How old is he today? Um, 37. He is 34 today, Kimmy. Okay. I know one of our good friends, I will not name whom, right now is screaming at you. I know. Oh, yeah. I know she is going, Kimmy! <laughs> you should have known who that was instantly. You shouldn't have had to have Moose. I did hug him. You, there's, We have a photo of Kimmy hugging, or him hugging you. Uh-huh. Uh, you're both hugging each other. We, we have that, that photo. That, that happened earlier this year in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, Kimmy, moving over to a person who passed away on this date in history, a notable... Actor Joe Flynn, I know you don't know who he is. He played on McHale's Navy. What in the blue Pacific is going on in here? What are they doing with these dresses? That's settled then, is it, McHale? I'll see you in the Rockettes at 2100 hours. Now, if you ever watched McHale's Navy, did you ever watch that by chance, Kimmy? No. Well, he played no. Captain uh, Binghampton. And the thing that's kind of interesting is he looked quite old to me on that show as a kid and still does when I see it occasionally when I thumb through channels or scan through channels, and I see him on that. But what's amazing is when he did McHale's Navy, did that from 1962 to 1966. He passes away in 1974 at the age of 49. Mm. And he looked far older than that to me in McHale's Navy. Mm -hmm. And his death is under some mysterious circumstances, although ruled accidental, he died in his swimming pool. Mm. Moving over to somebody else who passed away on this date, notable-wise, Jack Warden, actor, fantastic work, passed away in 2006 at the age of 85. And moving over to somebody sinister who was born on this date in history. A hundred years from now, someone will mention the name Lizzie Borden. And do you know what will instantly come to mind? What do you think? Do I look like a brutal killer to you? Yes, 
Lizzie Borden, born on this date in history, 1860, passed away at the age of 66 in 1927. Now, Kimmy, did you ever see the Elizabeth Montgomery 1974 TV, made-for-TV movie about Lizzie Borden? Yes. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I don't remember a single thing about that if I ever saw it. I don't I don't know. I just remember it being on and that she was starred in it, and I don't remember yeah, I, details. I know that you can watch the whole thing. It's available, I think, on YouTube. You can find it. Mm. It's right there. I, I don't recall it at all. A lot of mystery about that murder. Did she do it? Did she not? How did she do it if she did and not have any blood on her? Because they found she was discovered just, I think it was like 10 minutes after the the crime had happened, they estimated. Hmm. So how did she do it? Well, we're going to go back in time and revolve around that. Lizzie Borden on the Golden Age of Radio. Radio It's the Riley and Kimmy show that still loves radio, the golden age of radio, the theater of the mind, old time radio, as it's called OTR for those who collect. And Lizzie Borden is, is, is found in the golden age of radio. A couple of things we have from our collection. One of them, we're going to kick off with two of them, back to back, uninterrupted. The first one is from October 4th, 1955. It's called Goodbye, Miss Lizzie Borden. And it's a what if. It looks at it. And answers or actually asks some of the questions. It deals with the history and then answers some of those things like that blood, which I was talking about. Hmm. How maybe she did it. It Hmm. didn't have any blood on her. And other things revolving around that. It's a fantastic episode, a good example of the theater of the mind, and it's from Suspense. That will kick off things, followed by Unsolved Mysteries, a radio program from the 1930s that deals with the history and the mystery of Lizzie Borden. It's from 1936. Please be forgiving of its audio quality because when it was recorded way back when, it was not meant to be around today. They had inferior technology. Kick things off with suspense. October 4th, 1955. Here's goodbye, Miss Lizzie Borden on the Riley and Kimmy Show. And now, tonight's presentation of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Tonight, we bring you transcribed a story of what might have happened in the famous Lizzie Borden case. We call it Goodbye, Miss Lizzie Borden. So now, starring Paula Winslow, Virginia Gregg, and Irene Tedrow, here is tonight's suspense play, Goodbye, Miss Lizzie Borden. Oh, there it is. Oh, dear, oh, dear, I know I've forgotten something. 
something. Is that everything, ma'am? Huh? Oh, oh, yes. Uh, just the two suitcases. What are you doing with the trunk, Expressman? There isn't any trunk, only the two bags. I'm only going for a short I visit. It's it. my trunk, Miss Emma. I'm leaving. Oh, Maggie. It's all right, Expressman. You can take the trunk out. Yes, ma'am. Maggie, you can't. I can't help it. I'm sorry, I really am, but I can't stand it another minute. Oh, dear. They all leave. They always do. What are we going... I'm sorry, Miss Emma. I've only stayed this long for your sake. I couldn't bear to leave you alone with... with her. Thank you, Maggie. Now you'll be gone off on your little vacation, and she'll have somebody else in the kitchen maybe before you come back. Oh, dear, Maggie. What shall we do? What are we going to do? I can't stand it, Miss Emma. I never feel alone in this house. I'm cleaning about, thinking no evil, and then I get a shiver between my shoulder blades, and I turn around, and there she is, perfectly still, just looking at me, with that look she's had since the trial. More than a body can stand, and I'm leaving. I know, Maggie. She's always spying. She knows every move I make. I know. Never a party, no callers, not a friend to drop in of an evening. It's like a house of death. It is a house of death. I can't stand it any more than you can. That's why I'm going down to Fairhaven. I can't stand being cooped up with her any longer. Then you know what I mean, Miss Emma. Have you told her? No. No. If you want to know the truth, I was afraid to say anything. Thought I might get my trunk away with your things before she knew. Where is she? Upstairs. Well, you'd better hurry then. Goodbye, Maggie. Goodbye, miss. I'm sorry. And don't miss your train. Oh, I won't. I have a half hour yet. And it isn't as if there wasn't another one soon after, you know. Well, I know you, Miss Emma. Don't miss them both. Goodbye. Goodbye, Maggie. Oh, what am I going to do? Miss Lizzie, Miss Borden is out. Oh, dear. Why can't they leave us in peace? Oh, now, what did I do with my gloves? Oh, I wonder what time it is. Maggie! Oh, oh, she's gone. Oh, dear. Lizzie will be furious. Oh, who is it? Who is it? Miss Borden. Oh, no, 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 you can't come in. My sister won't see you. Please, take your shoe out of the door. So this is oh. the scene of the crime. Oh, please. Forks found over there. Please, my Blood sister. spattered all over the walls. Had them repapered, haven't oh. you? Nice happy pattern, too. Oh, this is the picture, isn't it? The one that had 46 blood spots on it. You're Miss Lizzie Borden, I presume. Oh, no, no, I'm not... I must not... say, you're not what I expected. Out west, where I come from, when a woman's tough, she's tough. Now, Miss Lizzie, I'm... I am to... not Miss Lizzie. I am Miss Emma. Oh, oh, the sister. That accounts for it. Well, Miss Emma... This is the anniversary of the Second Street murders, isn't it? It's just a year since Mr. and Mrs. Borden were murdered by... Since my father and stepmother died. We don't talk about it. I missed your sister's trial. Some old girl, I heard. She was acquitted. We don't talk about it. Mm, of course not. But the public is interested, you know. Now, I'm from Cripple Creek, Colorado, Miss Emma. Greatest town on earth. Pick up gold right on the streets. I represent the Cripple Creek record. And I'm here to get some impressions for my paper... Second Street revisited and all oh, that. Oh, you're one of those nasty female reporters. Oh, Lizzie hates reporters. I know she won't listen to you for a minute. Oh, well. Hey, isn't that a picture of Pike's Peak on the wall? Oh, yes. It, it's quite artistic, isn't it? 
Uncle Morse brought it back to me from the gold fields. It's all he brought back. He painted it himself. Now, isn't that a coincidence? I'm from the Pikes Peak gold fields myself. Oh. Morse, Morse. Is your Uncle Morse an old codger, 60-ish maybe? A, with... a, a droopy mustache. That's it, a droopy oh. mustache and a sort yeah, of... Tall and thin. Oh, my goodness. Do you know Uncle Morse? I should say I do. I knew him well in Cripple Creek. Oh. Where's the old coyote? Put her there, Miss Emma. Any niece of old man Morse is a friend of mine. Oh, how do you do? Uh, won't you sit down, um, Miss... Nellie Cutts. You just call me Nellie. Now, as I was saying... I represent the Cripple Creek record, and I'm on kind of a roving commission to report how things are on this side of the range. And listen, this Borden story's got everything. New England old maid, Sunday school teacher, and all that. Just as a story, you know. Color? She ups and kills half the family with an axe. Interview with Miss Lizzie Borden a year after. Great stuff. They eat it up in Cripple Creek. She won't see you. Lizzie won't see you. I know that. Well, how about a word from you, the sister? How does it feel, Miss Emma, to live day in and day out within sight of the very bloodstains, as you might say? How does it feel to take meals with a woman who, uh, who was tried for the crime? Oh, I've stood it as long as I can. That's why I'm going to Fairhaven. I can be alone in Fairhaven. It must have been pretty tough on the nerves this last year. I guess Miss Lizzie'd be difficult to live with, huh? <gasps> Shh! She hears. She's always listening and spying. She never leaves me alone. Oh, dear, I, I mustn't miss the 3.37. What time is it? You won't miss it. It's only quarter of. Oh, my watch says ten. No, I set mine at the station. Lizzie just be- Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 oh. And when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Oh. Borden go away, you naughty child. Go away. What was that? Father she gave her father 41. Oh, how did it begin? She gave her father 41. This is a classic. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave oh, her... Oh, please, please don't. She hears every word you say down here. Her room is right up there. Right up there? But she wasn't up there when her father was being murdered, was she? She was in the barn eating pears, she says. Uh, now, Miss Emma, just sit down a minute, please. Is it true that on the morning of the murder, the breakfast consisted of bananas, cookies, and cold mutton soup? I don't know. I wasn't here. I was at Fairhaven. Old mutton soup in August. No wonder somebody committed murder. Well, now, Miss Emma, your stepmother was found upstairs with her head battered in with an axe. That's right. And your father's body was on the sofa here, like this. Oh, don't! Miss Lizzie spread the alarm. The front door was triple locked, and Miss Lizzie was watching the side door, so she says. She was watching from the upper barn window, just standing there, eating a pear and looking out, she says. How could anyone outside have done it? How could they escape right under her eyes if Miss Lizzie wasn't lying? My sister was acquitted. It beats me how they acquitted her. Blood. Hmm? Blood. Whoever did it was covered with blood. Well, what about it? Everybody saw Lizzie within ten minutes of the crime. And she hadn't a spot of blood on her. The biggest professors at Harvard tried to find blood on her clothes. There wasn't any. That's why they had to acquit her. Tell me, Miss Emma, did you look carefully at Miss Lizzie to see if there was any blood on her, her hair, perhaps, or her shoes? Certainly not. My own sister. Besides, I didn't see Lizzie till I got back from Fairhaven that night. Maybe she used an apron. One of those big coveralls. They never found one. Easy enough to hide a thing like that in your own house. They never found the axe, either, did they? No. They never found the axe. I often wondered where it got to. They searched the house? Yes. 
They searched. They took up the carpets, didn't they? Did they search the chimney? Of course they did. Did they open the flue? No. We wouldn't have them tearing up the house. I'd tear it up. Loose brick here. Wouldn't be hard. Oh, Lizzie wouldn't have it. Everything's Lizzie's now. Lizzie's and mine. Miss Emma, excuse me, but is there any insanity in your family? Certainly not. That's the first thing they started asking. Oh, they asked ever so many questions about Uncle Moore's. Good old Uncle Moore's. He arrived for a visit, didn't he? Just the day before the murders. Yes, and they were awful about Uncle Moore's. They kept asking people if he was quite right in the head. Just because he doesn't work steady any place, but sort of drifts around. Oh, it made me terribly angry. Uncle Moss is as sane as I am. Where was he the morning of the murders? Visiting around. He had a perfect alibi. It was just humiliating the way they snooped around about everybody. Where was Uncle Moss? Where was I? Mm. Miss Emma, tell me about the kitten. Oh, they say the kitten was found down in the cellar. Dead. It had been killed with an axe. Oh. The kitten. The kitten was the hardest. I cried for a week. It brought on my neuralgia. I like kittens. Lizzie never cried at all. It was Lizzie's kitten. She's a hard woman. Yes. Well, now, Miss Emma, let's get back to the fatal day. Mrs. Borden is lying in her blood upstairs. The servant is downstairs. She hears Mr. Borden at the front door trying to get in. She goes to let him in. She finds the door is triple locked. She lets him in, and upstairs on the landing, she hears a horrible, gloating laugh. The murderer is standing up there, Miss Emma. And as she sees her second victim walk into her trap, she laughs. It wasn't Lizzie. Lizzie was downstairs. She changed her story. First she said she was downstairs, then upstairs. She was lying then. Well, in comes Mr. Borden and lies down for a nap right here on the sofa. The murderer covers herself with something and creeps up on the old man with an axe from behind like this. And brings down the axe again no, and again. No, no, Was no. Was it this, Lizzie? Oh, Was no, it? No, no. No, it wasn't, Lizzie. It wasn't. Emma. Oh. You talk too much, Emma. Listening to Goodbye, Miss Lizzie Borden. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, we bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Virginia Gregg, Irene Tedrow, and Paula Winslow, starring in tonight's production. Goodbye, Miss Lizzie Borden. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Lizzie, this lady 
he's an old friend of Uncle Morse. You're going to miss your train, Emma. Oh, yes, Lizzie. Oh, dear, perhaps I should have called a cab. But it's only a step from here. Goodbye, Lizzie. Goodbye. Emma? Yes? You forgot your gloves. Oh, oh, so I did. Thank you, Lizzie. Goodbye. Goodbye, Miss... Um, I represent the Cripple Creek Record, Miss Lizzie. A friend of Uncle Morse? What color hair has the old man got? Gray. Bald as an egg. Good day, Miss. Uh, but, Miss Borden, my paper wants an interview. I don't give interviews. Just one question, Miss Lizzie. The blood-stained apron, where did it get to? I have nothing to say. And the bloody axe. Why wasn't the chimney back searched? Good day, Miss. If you just say a word for my paper... Catch the next one. Lizzie, your apron and the axe. That's where they were all the time. Lock the door, Emma. You... You hid them there after. Yes. I was afraid Maggie would come down any minute. I hid them in the flue. I always wondered where they got to. I wondered how they could search and search and never find them. Father kept money behind that brick. He never knew I knew. And once he was dead, nobody knew about it but me. Why did you do it? There's a way, isn't there, to tell who's been handling a weapon? I don't know. You've always been the clever one. I don't see any marks. I don't either, but they say the police can. A Frenchman wrote a book about it. Besides, you bought the axe in Fairhaven. It has the star mark etched on the head. Why, Lizzie, you knew all the time. I saw you. I saw you from the barn window. You came out the side door and stood looking around. And I saw your face. It was all I needed. You ran to the street and I came in and found father. It was my apron and the blood. You needn't have used my apron, Emma. It was the handiest, Lizzie. And you brought the axe from Fairhaven. I only had a minute. I hid them in father's hiding place. They were safe until that newspaper snooper began to get ideas. Why did you hide them, Lizzie? But what else could I do? I hated her too, Emma. Oh, you don't remember our mother as I do. You couldn't have hated Mrs. Borden as I did. But father... Why father? After what he did to mother? Marrying that woman so soon after? You were always soft over father, Lizzie. It's a relief, I suppose. Oh, time after time, I wanted to ask you about things when they were asking me questions, cross-examining, keeping after me. 
Oh, I wanted so badly to know so I would know what to say, but I never dared ask you. They had spies about me all the time. Oh, I made so many mistakes. When they asked if I'd seen anybody leave the house, I was on my guard not to mention you. I said, no, nobody. So they decided it couldn't have been a stranger that did it. It must have been Lizzie. Oh, I ought to have said I saw the murderer leaving, a, a big bearded man with a bloody axe. But I wasn't used to lying. And when I went on the stand and told the truth that I hated her worse than you did, they were sure I was lying to cover you. I had to lie about the laugh. I had to change my story and say I was up there laughing. Otherwise, they would have started asking who was laughing. Whose laugh sounds like Lizzie's? Mine. I haven't laughed since. Neither have I. I haven't laughed since I found my kitten dead. Oh, Lizzie, having to kill the kitten was the hardest. It brought on my neuralgia. I cried for a week over the kitten. I know you did. I cried because I had to do it, Lizzie. Oh, I should have understood then. After the kitten, I should have been on guard. You know, I was afraid at first they'd find out you'd been away from Fairhaven. Oh, I prayed for guidance, Lizzie. All the time I was at Fairhaven, I stayed in my room and prayed for guidance. What's that got to do with it? Why, don't you see? When the answer came to me, I just got the axe and started for Fall River. They thought I was still in my room. What a risk that was. Oh, no. No risk, Lizzie. My prayers for guidance were answered, don't you see? I was protected. I protected you. Why? I wonder why. Oh, I don't know. Because I've always protected you, I suppose. Because I enjoyed having the laugh on everybody, maybe. I never guessed. You had the laugh on me, didn't you, Lizzie? Didn't you know I knew? Huh. No, of course you didn't. What would you have done if they'd found you guilty? Oh, gone through with it, I suppose. I'd have gone through with it before I'd given in to them. I guess you would. You were always a wicked, stubborn thing. Oh, I used to get sick of it. The jail, reporters, examining, cross-examining. I'd get sick of it and think I'd had enough. I'd tell them now the truth. And then that prosecutor would come along with his pious face like a public statue. And the very thought of giving in and admitting I'd lie would make me say, No, I'll face it. They won't break me. And they didn't. No, they didn't. Besides, <laughs> would have been giving in for nothing. They wouldn't believe me. I suppose they wouldn't. I used to wonder, if they found me guilty, what would you have done? I used to wonder, too. But I had my guidance. I didn't let it worry me. No, it didn't worry you. Me sitting there in court day after day, the crowd hating me. I know, Lizzie. Oh, how do you know? How do you know what I went through? The crowd staring, thinking I did it. The women who hiss at you at the courtroom door, they hate you. They want to see you dead. What do you know about it? What do you know about it, Lizzie? You had the easy part. You didn't have to do it. I thought it would be like chopping wood. It isn't. Wood splits. The other strikes back. It stops you. Wood doesn't bleed, Lizzie. It doesn't fly. 
jump at you. The air filled with it. I saw the walls. You don't know. You don't know anything. You didn't have to do it. I... I didn't want to. Listen, there she is. Mrs. Borden, going up the stairs. I'll have to hurry. Mrs. Borden's gone, Emma. She's been gone for a year. No, no, she's upstairs. Don't stop me. Put down the axe, Emma, and come with me. Where? Just across the street to see Dr. Bowen. Oh, so you can put me away. So you can shut me up. I'll not be shut up, Lizzie. I wasn't meant to be shut up. Just come and see Dr. Bowen. No, no, he'll put me away. I'll not have it, Lizzie. I'll die first. But I don't have to die, do I? Nobody knows but you. I'm not the one to die. Emma, what are you doing? I'm putting on my apron. I just explained to you, Lizzie. Blood spatters. You don't want me to spoil my best bengaline, do you? Emma, listen to me. You have to go to Fairhaven. You'll miss the train. Emma. Emma. It won't take long. It's over in a minute, Lizzie. Emma. Think what you're doing. You can't escape twice. Oh, yes, I can. I do what I have to do and the rest takes care of itself. I don't want to. You must understand Emma, that. Emma. You don't have to. Oh, yes. I knew as soon as I saw the axe. What else did you keep it for? I knew there was to be another. But I, I kept it to protect you, Emma. Oh, Lizzie, don't talk. It only makes it harder. Now, Lizzie. Now. Here, give it to me. Oh, oh. That's better. Lizzie, can't you change your mind and give me a statement now Miss Emma's gone? There you are, Miss Emma. You missed the train after all. You don't have to talk through the window, Miss. Take that thing off, Emma, and open the front door. Well, good for you, Miss Lizzie. Give me the apron, quick. I'll cover the axe with a newspaper. You be quiet. Now, open the door. Oh, this is real nice of you, Miss Lizzie. Hot day. I hope we have rain. What's the weather forecast? What's the paper oh, say? Fair and warmer. Fair and warmer. Oh, fair and warmer. Now then, young woman, what do you want to know? Quickly, please. Tell me, Miss Lizzie, the murder weapon. Is it ever found? What's your opinion? Where did it get to? I think the murderer carried it away with him. That's all you think? That's all, thank you very much. But I'm not through. Well, I have what... nothing more to say. Miss Emma's leaving now. You can walk with her to the station. Well, hey, isn't this the Providence Journal? I hear they put out a scorching editorial wanting to know why these murders are still unsolved. Please don't... Emma, don't miss your train. Come along. I'll send for my things, Lizzie. Very well, Emma. Goodbye, Lizzie.
Isn't she coming back? What did you say? Isn't she coming back? No. She isn't coming back. So that's the axe. Whole thing torn wide open now, hmm? Will you give me a statement? Certainly not. Miss Emma thinks now you killed them, doesn't she? Did you, Miss Lizzie? No, I didn't kill them. Come on, you've been acquitted. You can't be tried again. I didn't do it. Then who did it? Was somebody in the house? There's the murder weapon. If you didn't do it, who did? Maggie? Miss Emma? Miss Emma, that's it. Miss Emma Borden. Why didn't I see it before? Stop talking rubbish, young woman. I'll make a statement for you. I did it. You killed them? You killed them both with the axe? Yes. Why? Why did you? I don't like cold mutton soup. What a scoop. It isn't a scoop. Why not? It isn't a scoop if you can't print it, and I'll sue you if you print it. I've been acquitted in open court, my girl. I'm innocent, and don't you forget it. You print a word, and I'll sue. I've got a quarter of a million dollars, and I'll spend every cent of it depending my good name. Good name? Everybody in Fall River knows you did it. You just admitted it yourself. Never mind. Never mind what I admitted. Just you keep your tongue between your teeth. You're not going to print that story so you can tear up those notes of yours. I certainly will not tear it up. I have a duty to my paper. I said... Tear it up. You wouldn't. Tear it up. Of course, Miss Lizzie. I'm glad to oblige you. You can put down the axe. Thank you, Miss Lizzie, for your time. I'm just going. Go on. Open the door. Go on. Yes. Yes, of course. Thank you again. No wonder Miss Emma isn't coming back. Goodbye, Miss Lizzie. Suspense, in which Irene Tedrow, Paula Winslow, and Virginia Gregg starred in tonight's presentation of Goodbye, Miss Lizzie Borden. Next week, be sure to listen to radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Suspense is produced and transcribed by Anthony Ellis. Tonight's script was written by Lillian De La Torre. The music was composed by Rene Garrigan and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Featured in the cast were Helen Klebe, Leonard Weinrib, and Richard Beals. Unsolved Mysteries. Borden case is undoubtedly without parallel in the criminal annals of America. It is perhaps the most puzzling murder which has occurred anywhere in the whole world. The perpetrator of this double murder was saved from the gallows by a most extraordinary chain of circumstances. Circumstances which perhaps would not recur in a thousand years.
in Fall River, Massachusetts, was a house of silences. A house of moody, brooding silences brought about by pent-up hatreds, petty jealousies, niggardly dealings in money matters, and two daughters who hated their stepmother. A stepmother who hated with equal intensity her two stepdaughters. Even from the outside, the Borden house where it stood on South Main Street had about it an air of ineffable doom. The atmosphere of a place accursed. It is exactly 30 seconds before 11 o'clock on the morning of August the 4th. Bridget, the maid, finished with her morning duties, is resting in her room on the third story. Mr. Borden is lying on the couch in the living room. Emma Borden is away from home. And Lizzie... Lizzie Borden is standing on the back porch. Bridget! Bridget! Come here! What's the matter, Miss Lizzie? Come down quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. Don't go in, Bridget. Don't go in. Get a doctor. Run across the street and get Dr. Bowen. Is there anything wrong, Lizzie? Oh, Mrs. Churchill, someone has killed Father. Please, please come over. I'll be over right away. The doctor isn't home. I left word for him to come. Miss Lizzie, where were you when this happened? I was out in the yard. I heard a groan. The screen door was wide open. I came in. Lizzie, Lizzie, where is your father? In the living room. Where were you, Lizzie, when it happened? I went to the barn to get a piece of iron. Where is your mother? I don't know. She had a note to go see someone who was sick. It must have been in town. But I thought I heard her come in. I don't know, but what she may have been killed, too. Father must have an enemy. What's all this, Lizzie? What's it to hear about your father? It's Dr. Bowen. And he has Officer Allen with him. Oh, doctor. Doctor, in the living room. All right, all right. Now stand back. Come on, doctor. No, no need to examine him to see whether or not he's dead. Get me a sheet, somebody. How long has he been dead, doc? Mm, about ten minutes. Still warm. Lizzie. Yes, Doctor. Where were you when this happened? I was over at the barn. Where were you, Bridget? In my room, upstairs. Well, did you hear anything? No. Were you asleep? No. I've just been lying down for a few seconds. Now, listen. Nobody could have killed this man the way he's been killed without making some noise. No signs of any weapon either, officer. Let me see your hands, Bridget. That's it. Turn around. Oh, nothing there. You, Miss Lizzie. Let me see your hands. Me? Me? Yes, you. Whoever killed this man must have left some traces. And you were the only two people in the house. There's no signs of blood on Lizzie. Not even inside her body. I've looked, Bridget. You go upstairs and see if Mother's come in. Not alone, Miss Lizzie. I'm not going up those stairs alone. I'll go with you. Oh. Doctor. Doctor Lizzie. Oh. Oh. That's... That's Mrs. Borden? Yes. Yes. I knew something like this would happen. What? Why? I just did. That's all. Alan. Yes, Doctor? She's... 
Mrs. Borden's been dead anywhere from one hour to two hours. And he's been dead only a few minutes. Yes. Well, every one of you stay where you are. I'm going to search for the weapon. But neither Officer Allen nor any other of the many members of the police force ever found the weapon. Mrs. Churchill, from her window across the driveway, saw no one enter or leave the house. Mrs. Borden, the murdered woman, weighed nearly 200 pounds, yet no one heard a sound when the murderer failed her. Not a sound, not a cry, not a clue, but suspicions. Yes. Lizzie Borden lay in prison, staring at the whitewashed ceiling, hearing again and again the same words. Different voices, but always the same words. Where were you, Lizzie Borden, when this happened? 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 The Superior Court of New Bedford on this day, June the 20th, now in session. Chief Justice Albert Mason presiding. All stand while the justice takes his seat. Mr. Robinson, you may begin your closing appeal to the jury. Gentlemen of the jury, you have heard the witnesses describe the sitting room in which Mr. Borden was killed. Of the walls, the ceiling were splattered with blood. Now, gentlemen of the jury, almost two hours elapsed between the murders. At no time was Miss Lizzie Borden out of the sight of Bridget the Maid or Mr. Borden before his death for a period of more than 20 minutes. How could she cleanse herself of bloodstains in that length of time? I repeat, how could she cleanse herself of bloodstains in that length of time? She could not. Now remember that according to the state, Lizzie Borden must have killed her stepmother about 9.30, got rid of the weapon, cleansed herself, and appeared before Bridget the maid before 9.45. Again, she had between 10.45 and 11 o'clock in which to kill Mr. Borden, again dispose of the weapon, and again cleanse herself of bloodstains. Impossible, gentlemen of the jury, impossible. Within 15 minutes of Mr. Borden's death, Lizzie Borden was examined by Mrs. Churchill, who stated that there were no bloodstains on Lizzie Borden's person, not even inside her bodice. I have finished. I ask that you think carefully and seriously upon the evidence presented when you return your verdict. The district attorney may address the jury. <clears throat> Gentlemen of the jury, the defense contend that Lizzie Borden did not have time to cleanse herself after killing her stepmother. Hmm. Now that is something that no one can say. The medical testimony cannot and does not specify the exact moment at which Mrs. Borden was struck down. And... Lizzie Borden may have had ample time in which to rid herself of the tell-tale bloodstains. In regard to the killing of Mr. Borden, I admit the difficulty. I cannot answer it. You cannot answer it. But, gentlemen of the jury, Lizzie Borden was the only person who could have committed the double murder. And so I say to you, gentlemen of the jury, as presiding judge in this case, that if the state have not proved their case, then you must find for the prisoner and return a verdict so. You may retire to consider your verdict. While the jury retire to consider their verdict, consider the case. It is not easy to remove bloodstains. Bloodstains can be removed more or less easily from the smooth skin of the face, but from the hands, no. Remember, too, that there was no bathtub in the Borden home. 
Do not lose sight of the fact that no weapon was found, no burned clothes were found, and the murderer must have been literally saturated with the victim's blood. Consider, too, that at any moment Bridget, the maid, or Mr. Borden could have walked upstairs and discovered the murderer killing Mrs. Borden. The jury have been out almost an hour. It is 4.30, and they file to their places in the jury box. Are the gentlemen of the jury agreed upon a verdict? We are, Your Honor. Lizzie Borden, stand up. Face the jury. We, the jury, find the prisoner not guilty. A careful reading without emotion or favor of the trial transcript must convince any unprejudiced person that Lizzie Borden did not commit the double murder. Since this is an unsolved mystery, any solution is necessarily a supposition based, however, upon the known facts. A possible solution will be presented after you have heard from your sponsor. occasions previous to the Borden murders, the Borden home had been robbed of jewelry and money. Stray tramps had probably perpetrated the robberies, and remember that these gentlemen of the highway leave secret markings on walls and houses informing their brothers of the road that these houses are easy to rob, or perhaps a mark that tells that the householder is kindly and that food will be forthcoming. It is the morning of the murder. Lizzie? Lizzie? Yes, Mother? I'm going to town to visit a friend who isn't feeling well. Now, Mother? I'm going to my room to dress first. Have Bridget wash the windows. Yes, Mother. Bridget? Oh, Bridget? Yes, Miss Lizzie? I'm going to do some ironing. Will you wash the windows? Yes, Miss Lizzie. I've got the water and everything ready now. I'm going right outside. <laughs> Both of the irons won't be hard for quite a spell. I'll go to the barn and get the lead and make these sinkers for my fishing line. A tramp hidden in the basement since early morning makes his way into the house. This is his opportunity for petty theft. The house is empty, he thinks. In the upper room, he comes face to face with Mrs. Borden. He silences her unuttered cry with a blow. Panic seizes him and he turns to flee. Escape is impossible. Lizzie Borden has returned from the barn and tremblingly the murderer hides in the same room where his victim lies dead. Here's your father, Miss Lizzie. I'm going up to my room for a few minutes. Very well, Bridget. Oh, hello, Father. Oh, hello, Lizzie. Any mail for me, Father? No, not the same, Lizzie. 
I'm tired. I, I think I'll lie down for a bit on the sofa. All right. I'm going out to the barn for a piece of iron. The murderer, still hidden in the upper room, hears the door slam. He creeps downstairs to the living room, sees Mr. Borden on the sofa, and thinking he's asleep, tries to creep past him. Borden looks up, sees the blood-stained figure, but like Mrs. Borden, he is silenced with a blow before he can say a word. The back door creaks. Lizzie's returning. In a moment, the hue and cry will be raised. The murderer's only chance is to hide in the basement and wait for an opportune moment to escape. And so Fall River had an unsolved mystery. For the police, despite a statement that a murderer could have entered the house through the basement, didn't even look in the basement till the next day. And the murderer had, of course, made his escape in the dark of the previous night. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy show at RileyandKimmy.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.